It's the Redirect Podcast. Search industry research, discussion, and analysis from the Black Truck Media and Marketing Headquarters. And now, redirecting you to the Black Truck Team. Welcome to episode 24 of the Redirect Podcast. It is Friday, November 17th, 2017. I'm Jason Dodge, founder of Black Truck Media and Marketing. Welcomed this week by Ashley and Patrick from the Black Truck team. Welcome, gang. Welcome. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. <laughs> not, not recording on a Thursday. <laughs> yep. Good. Headed into, certainly into the holidays now, next week being Thanksgiving. We, I think, um, are we taking next week off from the Redirect podcast? It might lean that way. Yeah, we might lean that way. Short also. week. Mm-hmm. Yep. We'll Short just week. have to find a, an older episode to enjoy. That's right. Yep. The best of. Maybe yes. we'll release the best of series. How about there we that? Go. <laughs> All right. I will go ahead and take uh, lead off this week. And so this, uh, this concept, uh, I'm going to share and talk about is definitely inspired by uh, Mazda's Whiteboard Friday that actually came out today. So Rand did uh, not a super deep dive, just a nice quickie overview of, you know, using PPC to impact organic results. And, And this is totally a topic of discussion a lot of times in the search industry as to whether or not um, can paid search influence organic search. And there are, I would say, individuals on the wrong side of the fence that will consistently say that, oh, PPC totally directly affects organic results. And that we, we know, like, that's a big fat no. That should be, um, you know, let's just get that right out in front there that no, that's not going to directly impact organic rankings. That um, The teams, certainly even at Google, you know, um, are very much separated from one another. The AdWords team is not intermingling with anybody on the organic side at Google. Um, and in fact, even inside the AdWords team, they're very siloed. I mean, the the legal team is separated from the accounting team. It's separated from ad ops team. That's separated from agency side. I mean, they're very very siloed, and I think that they're done that way. You know, strategically for a reason. I mean, there's there is a reason for doing so. So that all out of the way. Um, to cover some some areas, both that um, maybe background from us as well as what Rand picked up on too, is that you know how can you indirectly you know so let's take a look at how how you can indirectly impact organic with you know PPC campaigns, and, and I think that a real a real quick one to go down is is the path of running branded campaigns, and so many times we see. Branded campaigns being being done, so maybe we bid on ourselves. And um, while there's a lot of PPC professionals that are engaged in a lot of non what we'll call non branded campaigns, like heavy on that, um, if you are running branded campaigns and someone searches for your brand, sees your ad, but then they see your organic position, mm-hmm. they could be air quotes could be big could be more likely and willing to click on your organic listing because of the brand and name recognition. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that I think that most certainly holds true, um, and it should be fairly straightforward to be able to to track that, right? I mean, search consoles, uh, Google Search Console, as we know it, and Pat, you can chime in here too. Um, you can. It doesn't even take a while for you to deep dive in Search Console to see branded keyword searches come yeah. up in there. 
Um, so you could easily earmark when you started that branded PPC campaign to uh, your search console data. Do you see lift uh, and increase in impressions in branded search, that type of thing, um, organically and, the, and track that click-through rate? Um, <clears throat> and then how about engagement with a brand through paid search having an impact on organic search? So how does engagement from a paid search ad impact organic? Because we know that engagement with a website can impact organic rankings anyways. So meaning like I did a search, I landed on the site, found it helpful, Google's remembering that. Mm -hmm. um, so the way that Rand kind of, put, he puts a little bit of a twist on it, which I, I thought was interesting is that, think about it this way, if you previously performed a search, clicked on the paid ad, experienced the brand, um, so you've been to my site, but then later you went back and performed another search. And you're, you're more inclined to click on that organic listing because you have brand recognition. So again, mm -hmm. it goes back even to that first point of like, you're creating brand recognition through a paid search ad that could, in fact, create lift in, in organic. Mm -hmm. um, so keep in mind that's based solely on the fact though that they have experienced your brand. So not the PPC ad influencing organic directly. Like I, I just want to continue to make that clear, but that's just more of, of I experienced your brand because of your ad. Therefore, when I go back and do another search and you happen to be organically ranked for that, I, I'm, mm -hmm. I already know. It's, it's no different than an offline ad influencing you know, your purchasing decision too. Right. Makes you know. sense. Um, and then kind of kind of lastly, I think the question will often come up around the idea of, uh, I, I've heard this a lot, like, well, if we rank organically, why wouldn't we want to pay for that traffic? Um, you know, so Rand's twist on, on that concept is, is also like if someone clicks on the ad, ends up um, liking what they find, they share the link. So it's almost, it's not, I'm not saying it's a link strategy, a link building strategy, but it's a way that maybe there are pieces of content that you want to share and get in front of certain audiences so that they do share it, or maybe the media picks up on it and writes a piece of content around your company or includes you in on that. Like that's that's kind of enclosing what, what Rand talks about. But the the way that I'd love to talk more about it with you guys is that if you're already ranking organically really well for something, what are reasons as to why you would pay for that traffic? Um, you know, and I, I think that that a lot of those theories for how you can use PPC to indirectly influence SEO would work together there, meaning that the phrases that you're organically ranking for, we know that you can test on the fly, add creative and copy different keywords uh, injected into the ads that can influence the click-through rate of those, different um, headlines, different descriptions in the body of the ad, and how that influences click-through rate. I mean, uh, we're not the first ones to talk about that. And, using PPC to test certain themes of ads to then use the best resulting click-through rate ads as mm -hmm. your new page description mm -hmm. or modifying your page title for, you know, increased click-through rate. Mm -hmm. So some really good concepts there. Um, touching on, again, a subject that I think comes up a lot, um, you know, that you can use PPC and, and influence uh, organic search. So not, not directly, but indirectly, there's certainly yeah. some signals there that state 
Um, all based off of user interaction, though, right? That's yeah. the that's what it all comes back to. It's not, hey, since we paid for traffic, Google's going to give us preferential treatment. Right. It's strictly like you need to have users engaging with your site in order for that approach in, to even. Those indirect signals, we have that conversation a lot in the office. We talk about that with page descriptions <coughs> a lot, how indirectly, a roundabout way, it can lead to the potential for increased page authority, which then would lead to increased um, SERP preferential treatment, mm -hmm. you know? So mm -hmm. it's, it's the same thing. It's indirectly paid yeah. could boost organic a bit. Mm -hmm. However, there's not a direct line. It's a very zigzag line. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think the, the best case of, of where... PPC and SEO go hand in hand is is doing the testing, is using it for either keyword research purposes, right? Because one of the best tools that you have for doing keyword research is when we pay for the traffic mm -hmm. um, and seeing what those actual search queries are. Or testing various ad copy and creative for things that you're organically ranking for and you're just not seeing a positive click-through rate. I mean, if you're if you're on that first page and in those top, you know, four or five slots and you're not getting clicked on, you know, it's time to start making some changes there and start start trying to improve those those organic click-through rates. And and you can use paid search, pay for that traffic a little bit to learn, um, make a little bit of a minimal investment there and really start to, to, to try and make some improvement on the organic side. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. a thought there, but... Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Who's next? I'm going to go next because I peeked on Patrick's laptop, and I think that his would be a good topic oh, to close with, wow. and mine would be a good bridge because it relates a little bit to um, your topic. So um, keeping on the trend of search results, um, I spent some time today updating um, some Google My Business listings for a client of ours, and um, this is something that can get kind of... Uh, brushed by the wayside sometimes, but it can really be a fairly easy thing to keep up to date if, you know, if you make it a priority. And um, so I, uh, since that was kind of at the top of my mind today, since I was working on it, I came across a lot of articles that were talking about local um, Google My Business listings, but then also uh, ranking locally and local SEO. Um, so I saw an article from Search Engine Land that mentioned local SEO guides, uh, 2017 local ranking SEO, local SEO ranking factors. <laughs> I expect that to change <clears throat> in a couple months. Yeah, yeah. So and it was um, it was fun to read. It's kind of written very wittily. So um, we'll definitely link to that in our show notes so you can check it out yourself. But um, the Let's see, they looked at over um, 200 factors, over 100,000 local businesses to fi figure out what is similar, um, what is similar between the businesses that are getting ranking in mm. the local pack. So mm. the local pack uh -huh. is that box that yeah. will show up at the top of your search results if there are some um, local results that are related to your query. So um, these insights are all related to the local pack specifically. Um, so reviews is something that I'm always keeping my eyes open. Um, Only five-star reviews though, right? Only five-star <laughs> reviews. 
Well, yeah, that's not true. <laughs> and I think we've talked about that a little bit before, that actually fi- if your um, rankings are five stars and you have lots of reviews, that's actually less trustworthy than if mm-hmm. you were to have like a four point three rating even. That so. same notion came up from the client at a client meeting last yeah. night. Oh yeah? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, same thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. You don't want five stars. People are suspicious of that. But the study specifically found that um, having a keyword that you're trying to rank for and the men- and mention of a city that you are working in um, in the reviews can have a high correlation um, with high ranking oh, for, your, for your Google My Business results. That's completely out of your hands. It, it is in some ways. And, and, you know, I'm reading this and I'm thinking that doesn't sound natural. And I, I have seen some, um, some sources recommend that, you know, when you're building a strategy for, for gathering reviews for your business to actually, when you're doing outreach to your customers, even kind of giving them something like something specific <clears throat> to review, like, mm. um, a specific service, specific service yeah. or s- something like that. So you're, you're kind of, spoon feeding the information that you want your customers to um, react to in the review, which it can be done in a very spammy way, but I think that there are ways to do it. Yeah, if you're if you're really subtle about it in, mm-hmm. in like a, in like a follow-up customer service type of way, yeah. you know, think of it if you're a local HVAC um, contractor, Pat, I'm thinking about you and your your recent experiences and you know, if they reached out to you and said, "Hey, Pat, you know, we were very, we were very honored to work on your home." Fluff, fluff, fluff. <laughs> um, working on, you know, the your your new high efficiency, uh, you know, heating and cooling system mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, you're gonna be more likely to kind of base your review off of that. Right. It's kind of like, um, you know, when you're learning how to respond to essay questions in school, they say, repeat the question in yeah, your first yeah, sentence. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I think there's some transfer there with that. Yeah, that, that's a way to kind of cherry pick, too. You're going to be more apt to get those positive reviews when you do that outreach because cool. you're not going to ask someone that you had a disgruntled time with right. for that review. Right. And even if there were some hiccups or bumps in the road, you know that the outcome was, in the end, was good, even though it might have required a, a couple of visits or a couple, right. you know, um, a couple different rounds of, mm-hmm. of work to get to get to the final result. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so if if you can naturally mm-hmm. give your customers, um, you know, those areas of your business that you would like to maybe see some movement in in your um, local rankings. Um, that's something to consider. Don't um, pay for those. Don't pay for those. And, you know, sometimes you don't even, you wouldn't even have to ask. People will naturally include it in their reviews. And I think that that probably happens more often than not, that it's just people are writing about exactly, I mean, if you think about it, they're going to include the keywords that you're trying to rank for anyways, if that's what your business is doing. So mm-hmm. anyway. Um, yeah, the, the review game is a very powerful tool, but at yeah. the same time, so industry and product specific. For sure. Now we're not talking about Amazon reviews. You know, right. We, right. We always talk. We, we live yep. and die by our purchasing habits by Amazon reviews, and we always joke how terrible they are. <laughs> I haven't used this, but I gave it a one star. Yeah. Uh, I'll come back and update it yeah. when I do use it. No, yeah. you won't. No, you won't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's. Um, I've always said that the angry ones are the ones that are going to be the first ones to leave reviews. Always. Uh, but I think if you can, as a business owner, uh, or 
employee of said company, whatever your role is, can create some kind of system to proactively reach out to all of your clients, really, your purchasers or mm-hmm. transactional type things, you're going to get a good mixture. And a good mixture is good. Yes. Yep. Honest reviews are good. And then we've probably talked about this before too, but you know, using the reviews that you get to help even with how you go about things in the future, not just letting it sit out there as something mm-hmm. that's speaking about your business. If it's something that you can use to improve your business, then that's right, great. Right, right. I'm getting a little off topic, but... No, I mean, we turned mm. your, your top points into all about reviews. <laughs> all but about reviews. I mean, that's how impactful it can be, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So then I'll just um, kind of close up with talking about um, how reviews are naturally um, a way that people can engage with your business's presence on Google My Business. Um and besides the reviews, um, I, I guess the, the study also considered that like having photos that your viewers can engage with can be considered engagement in a way. Um, so that's why, you know, going back to how it can be easy to ignore, I feel like it can be very easy to like not think about updating photos on your, on your um, Google My Business listings just because it's something that you kind of update once and it's there. Yeah. And um, we need to do that here. The owner and, of our building just painted it. Well, but even oh, with, I did. But oh, think about yeah. Check out our Google My Business list and get updated. <laughs> <laughs> but what if what if you were uh, think of this though? What if you were um, what if you were a ski resort or you were someone who was very seasonal? Like, why not why not change those yeah. on on uh, a cyclical nature yeah. to show you know if you're looking for a resort in northern Michigan speaking in the summer months, odds are you're, you're probably a golfer, right? So show photos of your golf, your mm-hmm. golf course or the property in the surrounding area, family fun time. Those are your, your first images that you want to show. But then, uh, as you get into the colder months toward, toward the end of summer and fall, start switching that up again, mm-hmm. start showing your winter yep. photos and still family focused and fun, right. but like, why not pepper in, you know, people enjoying themselves in the winter time. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep, that's exactly what I said. Make sure to update your photos regularly. Figure out a frequency that makes sense for your business. Yeah. And then I, I said that that was the last thing, but I actually have one more thing to say. So the well, study, wait, there's more. There's more. The the study did say that you know it's while it's possible to rank in the local packs without having a website, um, the key is having a website that is ranking in local organic search. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you'll be much much more likely to show up in the local packs. Nice. So. Um, it's worth it to invest in your website. Anything in there at all, real quick before we move on? Is there anything in there yet that talks about posts, Google, you know, posts, GMB posts? Not, not in this specific study. Okay. I wanted to look into that more because I've, I've seen some some articles lately on on influences of of local click through rate. Yeah, I think is what I've seen. I more really want to so. learn more about that because yeah. it's still fairly new. That was something that kind of rolled out like mm, earlier this summer. Yep. So um, I'm really curious to see. Cool. Hmm. Cool. Hmm. So this is a segue to Patrick's? Well, it's not a segue, not really but segue, it was, it was so. closely related to yours before going okay. into Yeah, Patrick's, it's so. more of an abrupt halt <laughs> new direction. <laughs> so uh, here at Black Truck, it just so happens in the last two weeks, the way uh, my work practice has gone, I've had to analyze uh, several websites in a very short period of time. And one of my personal uh, methods of that is the web crawl mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, or a spider crawl, whatever you want to call, yeah. call it. Um, I kind of live and die by a site crawl. Um, 
it's a powerful tool if you know how to use it. I don't. I, I like to download it into a CSV and then I just dissect that thing like crazy and I'll create this big, huge, nerdy spreadsheet. <laughs> and I can. I always call it the matrix, and I can look at an entire website and organize it pretty quickly. And it really helps. Well, me. it allows you to organize it in a fashion that that helps you digest the content faster, right? I mean, right. any tool can can kick out results. Being able to break it down and decipher it is yeah, really the right. The, Got to read it. The key there, yeah. I, I always as a technical the, SEO. I always make the comparison to those um, magic posters that were in the malls in the nineties. <laughs> like, oh look, it's a dolphin. <laughs> if you stared at it long enough, or a sailboat. Um, That's a mall rats reference. Mall rats, <laughs> right? Uh, Jay. Um, so. I found an article today that was about uh, what factors should you consider before choosing a web crawler tool, and that mm. was on Search Engine Watch. And uh, when I read through it, it kind of just felt like a, a no-brainer stuff to me because I use them so frequently. It wasn't really anything new to me, but uh, points in, that are um, worth mentioning to maybe people that don't really utilize a crawl or know how to read them. Uh, obviously, you're going to have limitations uh, free versus paid. Mm-hmm. Um, versions that you might have like i know right now i'm using an outdated version of screaming frog and well, then uh, and those guys have constant yep, updates yep and um the current version has a couple of features that i just read through that are, i'm probably as soon as this podcast is done going to update <laughs> um but it's uh gotta find the needs like does does it find the holes for you as mm-hmm. seos indirectly our job is to fill the holes find the holes fix them and make it so the holes don't open up again. And a good crawl tool can help you identify those holes. Mm-hmm. They won't fix any holes at all. They're no. just there to tell you what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, another really important part is uh, detecting robots.txt. Is it no file, no index? Uh, are these pages crawlable? Are, are they indexable pages? Mm-hmm. You know, Are they going to show up or are they just pages that uh, are there in the background? That's a great point. Yeah. Um, broken pages and links... That's obviously it. And the referral source. So the, the page mm-hmm. is broken, yeah. but where, where is, is it, it coming, where is it coming from? from? Because right. it might not be external. It's it's internal. So yeah. helping you kind of right. really focus in on yeah. where those are at. Right. Especially when you've got a larger site with lots of uh, turnover content, like events and mm-hmm. old articles or just those quick little onesie-twosie blogs that they've been running for years and years and they're finally organizing the site a lot of times those are the sites that end up with lots of 404 errors out there. Um, redirect loops, those are important. You know, that sometimes you can see a redirect happen between two to three different pages, and you want to, if you're going to do a relaunch or a, you're taking a new site, this is the opportunity to eliminate all those middlemen pages and just go from the very original to the very final mm-hmm. URL mm-hmm. and get rid of that loop. Um, and then another one that we seem to find more and more is dub 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 and non dub 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 yeah you'll see both those sites living out there and they're not properly redirecting each other so both of them are crawlable at the server level something yeah. is, is is definitely going on mm-hmm. um and then the secure versus non-secure if it if you have um http and https you have to make sure the non-secure site is properly redirecting to the secure site because google will read that as two completely separate websites Big Get. issue right now with a lot of people kind of scrambling or the rushes on to, to switch over. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then I did a little other reading while I was there because I was curious about it, and I found one from Search Engine Land. <clears throat> um, 
the final recrawl analysis, a powerful and important last step after implementing large-scale SEO changes. And large-scale SEO changes is defined by you, yourself. Large is, is going to be different for everybody, but I think it should be practiced with any type of more than one type of change. Totally. Um, crawl it as soon as you relaunch. Mm-hmm. Make sure everything you took or everything that you changed took. That's something that I think I need to practice more efficiently yeah. is as soon as that you go live, do another crawl and make sure everything you have in there. We just had a client relaunch and um, we were maybe... Do you catch, sit, a, yeah, do you sit, catch everything in we, we were sitting still a little bit too long and uh, the new relaunch didn't include the Google Analytics tag, mm-hmm. you know, and we, we should have caught that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. We could have caught that because the developer, the, in that case, the developer didn't, didn't bring it over. Mm-hmm. But, who, you know, it always goes back to, oh, well, whose job is it? So if you're right. sitting at your desk going, crap, was that my job? Mm-hmm. Was that his or her yeah. job? I mean, yeah. just if you use that tool again to kind of go through that, right. it'll help identify. You know, with some of our SEO changes in a site relaunch might be uh, more content related. And it's, is it the SEO's job to implement the, the right. content or is right. it the developers or the designers? Who did it? And sometimes you can get a... I thought you did it. No, I thought you did it kind of a thing. So that's why it's important to make sure everything that was needed to be done took. Well, and I think it goes launch. without saying, too. Some tools, uh, like the Screaming Frog, the premium, the mm. pro version of it, uh, will allow you with their latest release to, uh, we like to crawl a dev site mm-hmm. before launch. So to kind of back up a little bit for you, if you're crawling the site before you're making changes and then you're crawling it afterwards, well, somewhere in between, if it's a major site overhaul, there's a development or mirrored copy of it. We like to try and crawl that to identify any of those errors or issues before it goes live. Um, you can't always do that if it's a dev site that's totally locked down. Right. Uh, so the latest version of Screaming Frog, which is one tool that we really like, um, you can you can actually yeah. input that that login process. to authenticate it. So mm. yeah. So major, let's talk real quick, like kind of in closing, then about um, tools that are out there for crawlers. I mean, we're we're fans of Screaming Frog. Yep. And Moz. Moz has a good crawl tool, but we it? use them for separate things because yeah. they don't gather the yep. same data. They, there's a little bit of nuance difference between the tools <clears throat> that we use. Um, Deep crawl is another one that I've wanted to dig into more, mm-hmm. and it's just one of those things where. What I'm currently using isn't necessarily failing, mm-hmm. so I haven't had a need to reach out for something new. Mm-hmm. But I've I've heard lots of great things about about Deep Crawl. Um, uh, a couple other ones in here. Uh, Raven's got a Raven's Raven has, got a, has a crawl yeah. tool. Um, you know, so I think Ahrefs. Ahrefs. Pretty much everybody has some form or level of a crawl tool. It just might be focused a little bit in one direction more than the other. I, I think in order of technical SEOs, Screaming Frog, um, and then Deep Crawl are probably up mm-hmm. there from the technical level. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Moz's uh, site crawl tool. Right. Um, you know, in terms of uh, how pretty it's putting yeah. the data out there, right? right. I mean, because the data you're getting out of Screaming Frog, when you export that, I mean, it's it, it is it's it's a raw spreadsheet. I right. Mean, it's not pretty. It, it, it's <laughs> going to be your own personal uh, style and direction yep, to sure. when it comes down to it. And it's how you use it. Like for me, I'll run the crawl, I review the data, but then I export it into a CSV and I turn it into something completely different. Mm-hmm. And it's a matter of what your own work habits are and what you're trying to identify and. and there's a million different ways to get to the final answer, and it's just yeah. a matter of what your own path is. I find Screaming Frog to be a good tool for my own habits yeah. right now, but I'm not saying it's the answer. You know, whatever you have, whatever you're using, use it to its best ability, 
and get it all out of it. Crawling your site is better than not crawling your site. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Awesome. No, really good. Really good, helpful information. Anybody have anything else? As we head into the holiday shopping season, we've got a really great blog post up on like real quick tips. We covered some of it last uh, last redirect podcast on uh, you know it's like not too late to supercharge your holiday campaign if you're in e-commerce or or just a brand that's that's selling and looking for additional exposure during the holiday season. So check those tips out. We'll link to those uh, in the show notes. Otherwise, should we play a game between now and two weeks when we record again and say, let's try and find the worst case of holiday advertisements? Absolutely. <laughs> online. Online, online. Online, yeah. Holiday online. advertising. Right. Okay. Yeah, let's find the worst <laughs> and, we can And find. not intentionally tacky ones either. Not right. like, like the uh, not like disgusting stuff. ugly yeah. sweater stuff. Just, just failures. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll, we'll share our, our favorite failures in two weeks. And how to do it better. Right. <laughs> right. We'll be a positive critique for them. No challenge. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, good luck. This has been the Redirect Podcast. Check out the show notes at blacktruckmedia.com and add us on iTunes and Stitcher.